Welcome to Foam Talks. This is Elisa Med. I'm the editor-in-chief of Foam Magazine, and today I have the great pleasure to introduce you to the brand new season of Foam Talks, Talent Edition. Created in collaboration with Paris Photo, this series presents eight talented image makers from both the Fierce Curiosa sector and Foam Talent 2021. All talks welcome two photographers, one for each organization's program. Within every episode, we'll dive into a common theme and approach from which the artists will speak about their projects, motivations, as well as the challenges they encounter. For this first episode, I will be speaking to Sarker Protik and Anamari Bilbao. I am extremely happy to be here today talking with two amazing artists whose work I admire a lot, uh, Sarker Protik and Anamari Bilbao. Uh, with Sarker, we've been working uh, quite a lot together uh, for the last edition of the Talent uh, issue of the Phone Magazine with Anamari. I haven't had the pleasure to work personally uh, yet, but your work is going to be exhibited in the Curiosa. Uh, section of uh, Paris Photo this year in November, which we're all very much looking for, especially to get a bit going that uh, pleasure of going to exhibitions and fairs and see some art and photography a bit more in real life. Um, so I think I would love to start our conversation today really from your practice, because uh, I've been fascinating by both your works in the sense that there are so many points of contact and there are so many differences. You both deal with abstraction, but then you start from very material components. You both have a very strong focus in duality, but whereas for Sarker is more this constant uh, dualism between the hyper-digital and the very much um, daily uh, practice and details and very much uh, tangible world and the intangible world in Anamari's slightly different. You also intervene a lot in your images. There is a lot of craft, there is a lot of drawing, there's lots of connections with literature. Um, yet you both try to make visible what's not visible. You try to address things and sentiments and emotions and sensations that are difficult to grasp. And I find this very much fascinating because it's a type of photography that has to be experienced, that has to be seen, and it's very difficult to talk about it. Uh, it really makes you wonder, is it even possible at all uh, to talk about photography in that sense and to, to you know, to render that experience. Um, in case of Sarkis Protik, um, latest body of work, which is the one we're a bit talking about today, Rashmi, um, which translated is Ray of Light. It's a very composite body of work that's best to be seen as a video experience where you have two channels in which the images flow in a very fast um, combinations with the soundscapes that change according to the images. But Anna Marie as well um, has a practice that's very much rooted in video as well with soundscapes. So I would like to have an open question for you both to start with, and that is how much um, the combination of visuals and sound and uh, montage, right? Also the order, this very fluid edit that people are supposed to see when experiencing your images manages to inform um, the root of your work. Maybe we can start with uh, with Anamari. Hi. Um, first of all, thank you very much for the invitation. It's a pleasure for me. 
and it's very good to be here with you and with Sarker. Uh, so hi <laughs> there. Uh, even at, at a distance, no, nowadays it's like this, but it's very good. And uh, about your question, well, um, it, I'm working with sound lately, but it's like in the past uh, two years now, uh, or three, yeah. And for me, it has a, a lot of importance, uh, and I want to continue to work with it because it's an adding for the, the image. And uh, also, as you were uh, saying about the invisible, you know, for me, sounds uh, plays uh, a lot in this uh, field of things visible. And I'm very interested in that uh, idea, uh, much more than in the idea of exploring the visible. Yeah, but so th this is why sound is, is so important for me. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, the, the you know, you both your practices are very much rooted in this idea of making visible what's invisible or even when you don't make it visible just make it possible to be experienced make it possible to be sensed in a way i feel that's very much true for you as well sarker right yeah i think one of the things you mentioned about the visible and i i often felt that as a medium photography or image uh, one of its limitation can be uh, that it shows everything and i think i always find it uh, difficult to navigate around that because it's like you know when you read a book and you later see it transforming into a film often we don't like that it's because the way we have imagined the story or the you know book it doesn't reflect how the film was made even though it might be good or not good and I think that's because the visual can be often very imposing in our eyes to our eyes to our brain and how do we not do that, you know? How do we show things yet it's not yet fully visible? That's also the other way I, I look at that thing. Uh, and in terms of sound, I think for me, sound was something that I have worked before then I even came into the world of visual practice, you know? Uh, I think I was working eight years around uh, just only uh, with music. Uh, not knowing anything about any other art form, to be honest. Uh, later on, when I took up, uh, you know, photography, and I, after a few years, I also realized that as much strength an image can have, it can also create limitations in terms of experiencing. Because you know, we often are working in a uh, very three-dimensional world. And, and there are all these different kind of sensibility that we experience when we are making the work. You know, there is the architecture, perhaps there's the space in between the, uh, you know, architecture, there is the smell, there is the sound, the audibility. So, and then all that comes eventually in a two-dimensional image, which loses that three-dimensionality, which loses that uh, smell, that, uh, you know, uh, the scale of space or the sound that we experience in the atmosphere. So I, at one point, started to feel that I can introduce sound in my work in a way to kind of uh, create a more immersive experience or much more an experience that I might have felt while working on it, but for the audience. So that was my primary intention behind sound. But then, of course, it started to also evolve in its own way. I was fascinated by your what you were saying, Sarker, about how much this wish to 
combine the senses in a body of work that influence your practice. You were talking about smell, you were talking about feeling and vision, these uh, really strive to, to, to not limit what we can experience in three dimension into something that can only exist in two dimension and that you achieved with sound. And I feel also with the specific montage of the image in which um, I remember when I saw it, for me, it was very important, the moment of black split second in between the images, that's where you make up your vision and that's where you get, you get that vibe, right? And then I was thinking how much, because in your work, there's so much involvement about loss and grief and Anamar in your case, about creation and erasure. And we all come out from a very complicated era, I will call it, uh, with the pandemic and everything. Right now I'm talking from Amsterdam. Sarker, I believe you're in Dhaka. And uh, Anna-Marie, where are you right now? I'm in Sintra near Lisboa. All right. Yeah. So we are connected in this now very artificial and digital world, talking about transferring emotions and, and very abstract and invisible feelings into fantastic artworks after being through such a complicated time in, in our lives, in which all these things that we were talking about, loss, grief, erasure, creation, all of a sudden became extremely tangible, extremely present and extremely um, material in our life. So I was wondering for both, how, this, this how did this period uh, influence your practice? How things evolved, if any, if, are you, um, doing things differently right now or feeling things differently right now? Well, I was thinking about that because uh, I think um, in our days uh, with this pandemic, uh, we see death uh, in a very different way. I think it, it, uh, it lo loses in this uh, sense. Um, it's like uh, in uh, wartime, you know, when uh, death loses its sacred place. Uh, so I started looking at it uh, in a different way. And actually my last show, it was about that. And, uh, and it was about, uh, it started with the reading of a book of Bataille, which is the Bleu du Ciel, uh, the, the, the Blue of Sky, which the, the, they have another title in English, but it's like the, uh, this uh, ends. And uh, he's, uh, he's talking about death, but uh, during the civil war, the Spanish civil war. And I felt very connected with this uh, vision that we had uh, from death nowadays with this pandemic. And uh, because my work was uh, a lot about loss, as you said, uh, for me, it was important to reflect on this idea of death and also see what uh, can come from from this uh, in a different way that we think about it, because I think we have this idea that uh, uh, death is uh, sacred and um, in, the, in the sense that you cannot imagine it. And now it's very close from us, you know. So I wanted to work with it definitely. So for me, it was very important. Uh, uh, and we can discuss a little bit more about the words. But yeah. Yes, I will be curious about that. How, how did you manage to transfer this need? So in this last show, for example, 
for me, it made all sense to, to work with these images that I found in flea markets. And uh, I had this particular image uh, where um, I found it was, it is from a glass negative. And uh, there's this guy that is uh, drinking some, some liquid uh, in a cup. And uh, for me, uh, I looked at this image and for me it was about uh, death, but also about transformation and about something that you don't know what will happen after. And uh, so it's this indetermination that we are living in. That for me, it, uh, it was, it makes sense to, to work with. And uh, I saw that in the first way with this image, for example. How, how, how you feel about this, Sarker? It made me, I immediately thought of, uh, that there is, a, there is an image in, in Rashmi where you think you're looking at the planet and it's not the planet, it's a medication. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's. Uh, it was inspired by the you know that famous uh, quote that Carl Sagan said, in the the pale blue dot, um, and uh, no, I think it was an interesting time when it all started. You know that lockdown and the whole realizing oh we're in the middle of a pandemic, a global pandemic. Rashmi kind of already was done by then, like it was finished, and then I was like, oh okay. Now it's a uh, now it's actually manifesting all you know in a much more tangible way. You saw it coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like I saw that. I mean, I think there was a you know I I, I mean you can see there is a very strong sense of anxiety in the work, right? Uh, agitation, constant agitation, uh, and also I even visually the way I was trying to imagine and create uh, this. World of Rashmi has a certain sense of bleakness and also a bit dark, uh, which at that point kind of felt to me the right sort of visual uh, interpretation or language. Uh, the time that I was living, uh, you know, in 2000, uh, you know, early 2020 and before, uh, like the way we look at photographs, let's say 30 years, 40 years back, we, we see, we sense a certain era, right? Like, oh, this is from the, probably the 60s. Uh, this is probably the late 80s or 19, early 90s VHS and all that. So, you know, every era also provides us a certain visual language. And I was curious about that. I was curious about all this, you know, how when I was growing up in the 90s, I think Anna Marie also can relate, you know, the kind of music we're listening to and the new, you know, the music videos, how it used to be with, um, <laughs> you know, all these cassettes and uh, uh, VHS tapes and everything. But then when we look at something like William Eggleston's work or Stephen Shore's work, we sense a different era, right? And a different kind of color and everything. So I was curious that how an image can, sh how images can shape a certain time in period. So for me, what I was trying to do with Rashmi was just trying to grasp that time in that sort of uh, you know bleakness and dark uh, atmosphere, but also sometimes this you know lights and very hyper real atmosphere. Uh, even when you were seeing the nature, it feels feels like a very a primitive. There's a primitiveness, but also very hyper real. I think they both kind of work was working. Um, but then, of course, the pandemic, you know, made it more, <laughs> more like even now the way we are speaking, you know, the screen and everything. Yeah. 
Yeah, you use this word, it's very primitive feeling, and I can completely um, share that. This idea that you're sort of going to the roots, but it's not very clear what these roots are, because the roots can be anything, and it's about the hidden, right? It's about that, that very precious, super primal hidden feeling, and and within these these anxiety and tension and and bubble and confusion as well because you don't really know what's up and down and what's what's real and what's not there's the ray of light and i feel that light informs both of your work in in completely different ways um i feel sarker in your case light is is a guide it's a bridge it's a sort of a it's really like a red rope like it's, it's ray of light it's that thing that you sort of follow but it's also it gave me gave me the feeling of abandonment like you abandon yourself to the light you just go with the flow at a certain point you stop trying to understand what that is and you just embrace what's coming to you right in right. anamati light has a different weight as it is a more uh, I don't want to say constructed, but it's more intellectual also. It's more resonated. It's it's more of a, a poetic construction. I don't know if, but this is a very personal feeling that I have with both your works. I don't know if this resonates yeah. with you. No, I, I, I'm i thinking about that because, yes, I have done some works uh, uh, through light and about light yeah, and the power that is uh, uh, related with light. Um, I had done this video where you can see the the sun uh, through the the the, the trees, uh, or uh, I have done this video. This work uh, actually is not a video; is a installation where you see a lot of frames of uh, work that comes from a, a film of a uh, nuclear bomb. So you and you see the light and, it's, and the explosions of the light. And for me, the light is like power. And I like to question to, to question this power of the light. And uh, yeah, for me, it's in this sense that the light is very present on the work, more than in photography, in the sense of photography per se. But uh, yeah, yeah, because of course, we, I mean, we're all dealing with a medium that leaves thanks to light, light, yeah. right? Life yeah. and light. Yeah. That that that's a nice hiccup. But then. Uh, the, the, the light per se, what what as absence of darkness or as a break in the darkness, what that does to the work, then it's a completely different conversation and can be open to many options, right? As you said already, like the medium itself deals with light. Without light, it doesn't exist. And so light is in its core. At the same time, I think there's another format which is also interesting uh, because often the way we are showing, and I think this is also, maybe I'm asking a question to Anna-Marie, is uh, often in many of her works, and I'm also doing projection, right? Uh, and that's a different form. It's a way of showing work through light, you know. So it, it is created from light, and now we are also translating and presenting it through a medium, which is a projection of light on a surface. And that's something that I'm also kind of thinking. Uh, lately more about how it can be explored more and of course many artists have done, done that but uh, maybe Anna-Marie can, can share some of her thoughts about her interest in projection and uh, you know using image or photography or video moving image uh, how that 
intangible form of uh, projection can create a work and take it in a different level? Yeah, um, I'm thinking because uh, for me it makes really a difference uh, to work with uh, with projection and with light and uh, also to just oppose uh, light and projections with photography. Uh, me that I have come from draw drawing, so it's very different. My work is uh, uh, going in a way that uh, I've never thought about it. But um, but I was thinking about that because you were saying about uh, the projection and light, and I was thinking about the work that I've done uh, to uh, to ADP Foundation here in Portugal, and it's in the end it's a projection with no image, it's a six millimeters projection with no image, but this the light that is projection between these two images. And for me, it's like it's having a very, it, it has a, a lot of importance, the light there and the projection itself. And I also like to, to think about uh, the medium, you know, and uh, why a projection from six millimeters or why something that is digital and uh, I'm very interested in in those uh, kind of difference and uh, yeah for me I don't know if you have that uh, in mind when you are working uh, in, but if you have this um, um, if you want to deal with digital and analog uh, in uh, in giving them a different importance, but uh, I don't know you you have that conscious no. No, of course, but then I'm also someone who have mostly always worked with the medium uh, digital medium, uh, uh, and uh, of course due to different accessibility and limitation of uh, where I am. Um, but uh, there was once I used slides and used this old carousel projectors, you know that. Being and that's a completely analog feeling, no? When you are seeing that sort of projection, which also creates the sound of you know cut and then cut cut, uh, and I think that creates a rhythm for the work, even though that sound has nothing to do with the work, but just the for you know the device and the medium allows that sort of experience. And it was also a work that was about cinema, uh, so that made sense, uh, you know, that made sense. Uh, but yeah, as far for me, I think that was the most analog experience um, but you know nowadays of course uh, all projections are usually beside that slide projectors usually often we're ending up using a digital projection uh, but for me I think I often think because photography is such a you know it's such a built-in quality of projection in itself and then showing it also as a projection kind of makes sense like it's it feels more like a more original medium than a, a paper or print no because <laughs> yeah do you think that uh, that it seems more real well i mean i mean or? more real i mean more true to the medium you know <laughs> more true to the because it is yeah um, no but i understand yeah. because uh, actually we are saying like uh, in paper or whatever it's the analog no and the digital mm -hmm. and the the, the the digital photograph mm -hmm. is uh, makes sense that it projected exactly projected yeah, because yeah. Yeah, 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 because it's the, the same, so exactly. yeah, it's a, it's a good point, I never thought about that. But there's also <laughs> another point in there, which I think it's super interesting that you both are, are, are throwing up there, which is uh, the projection per se, it's something that gives the audience and the viewers a completely different experience. 
uh, in a way, projections also allow for a collective experience rather than a personal experience, right? It's a bit, it's a bit the movie, movie feeling. Or even when it's analog, the slight projection, if I think of a slight projection and I think about my life, I think when I was a kid and we will, you know, watch slides from, from the holidays and it's a sort of a gathering moment. It's, it's, it's a communal experience. So I wonder if this is maybe also a part in, into, this, into this shift, moving from the bidimensional and the paper or the mono vision to the collective one, especially thinking, Sarkar, you were mentioning before that um, Rashmi will be showcased uh, on the 25th of November at the uh, Singapore Film Festival. So not the photography festival, but the film festival with even a completely different audience. How does that, how does that feel for you to have um, your audiences feeling your work in this slightly different way? No, Dave, I mean, one for one of the things that I'm very happy is like Rashmi, you know, also regarding the projection thing, you know, it's also allows, you know, some, uh, you know, it creates a certain atmosphere. It needs to, often in case, in many cases, the room needs to be dark. And I think for work, specifically for Rashmi, it's really important. It's not just because it's a video piece, that's why it needs to be dark. But I think the work demands a dark atmosphere. And I think that that is that's why projection is very important in that case. And due to the pandemic and often in often case, most even though I wanted it to ideally be projected in a room, in a hall, but most cases people have been experiencing it through a screen like laptop or you know, as now on phone website in a different way. Uh, even personally, if I'm showing it to you, you will be watching it on your computer, uh, which also kind of makes sense because, you know, it again, the work kind of deals with this screen, right? I'm photographing everything with a device that is the most intimate camera we carry in our phone. And, uh, and I'm looking at that image also on that screen as I'm making it, as I'm when I'm making it, I'm also seeing the image through that screen. And even now, you know, it's been in screen and, uh, for first time now, it will be shown in pub, in that scale, in a public. Of course, it was shown last year in Yokohama Triennale, but that was also just in the pandemic. So obviously, not as people were there. Definitely, uh, all it was projected. But this, I am very excited because I think it will be, you know, it, it will get its right treatment. It will get its right atmosphere, and also the fact that because a lot of people will be there to watch a film. <laughs> you know, and uh, of course, when they will see it, I'm curious, obviously, to, you know, I wish I could know more how they will read it, yeah. the war. Anna Mary, do you know uh, already what you will be showing at Curiosa? Is it going to be projections as well? If you can talk no. about it already. <laughs> no, it will be... <laughs> No, no, now, now I'm, I'm feeling that I missed that. Uh, I wish I had the projection, but actually, I cannot say this because I'm working with these uh, images that are analog. They come from glass negatives and um, and film negatives, so uh, they are not digital. So I'm not missing the projection <laughs> still. But uh, but I will present some uh, some of work some of the works that I have done to to this last show, uh, which uh, I was talking about that comes from this uh, book of Bataille, 
it starts with it and uh, they are all uh, images that I found because I, I work a lot with this uh, kind of image that I found in the markets and uh, with these uh, memories that are that are not mine but they are in the public domain so I like to Nowadays, I like to rearrange them and create new narratives for them. So it's a way of, uh, I think, uh, free them to to give them new speeches and uh, and to actually to, like uh, Sarka was saying, to to try not to 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 put in any uh, discourse on an image. Uh, so, like to yeah to to be able to free that image from uh, a discourse that is pre-established there, you know, like when you read a book and you have this idea of uh, something, and uh, it's difficult to to leave that empty space for Marvel, right? For for your thoughts to just create. Yeah, it's my doubt, and I want to to share the doubt with uh, everyone so we can. Uh, come with something uh, different, you know. I think this is very interesting, also in the light of another aspect of your work, which is the presence of text, which often is there. You often includes, uh, include sentences, words. You can read things in the images often. How, how is it your relation with that? How, how you deal with text? So uh, I come from uh, my background is in art history, so and I really enjoy to to read books. So uh, I think language is very important, and uh, but I also like to question uh, language and uh, text also. So as the images for me, it's important to have uh, these sentences or these codes there. Uh, where you don't feel that you know the beginning or the end of the of the idea, and then you can create a new uh, a new narrative from from them. It's it they work the text works like the images for me, yeah. Yeah, I think it's you know um, I I am very fascinated by this, especially because we also just closed the new issue of the magazine that's dealing about the relationship between images and text. But there's always this very powerful aspect of words being present in the images where they supply a role of course they give a hint they give you a direction but they also very much are confronting because they confront the viewer or or the editor in that case with an ultimate impossibility to talk about a photograph the impossibility to really talk about it and grasp it and describe it and render that experience and it's something I also felt in, in Sarker's work. You have a very much um, scarcer use of text. It's only every now and then that comes up, but every now and then in Rashmi as well, you have a word, you have a sentence that sort of clicks and, and, and gives uh, to the work another direction. How, I, of course, it's obviously intentional, but then in your case specifically, Sarker, you have the chance of choices when you have the dual channel projection you don't really know what's coming up as a, as a viewer so the text becomes very much meta in these cases how um how you try to plan it or not uh, no i mean initially it wasn't uh, but you know the, while doing this work i was constantly having this uh, you know uh, there is an image where you see it's written the um, 
Tomorrow Everything Will Be Alright, which is actually a title from a film by this artist Akram Zatari, who was showing at, in Rotterdam a few years back, that film. Uh, and I, was, I had these two kind of proposition of the idea of tomorrow. One, as you can see in the film, one is uh, there is always a tomorrow, which is a very hopeful, optimistic way of you know, saying to ourselves or to our friends, you know, it's fine, tomorrow we'll get it done. But then there's the other statement which talks about, uh, which says basically there's tomorrow does not exist, which is factually, scientifically true because it tomorrow never exists. It's always we are arriving, right? So it kind of like, it's like a slap to the other sentence in a way. Um, so I think they, again, as you said before, there's this two contradiction. And I've been also thinking about the book, how it will be. And I'm thinking, imagining that these two will be as title from both end of the book. Uh, and then, <laughs> then uh, from each side, it will have a different, of course, start, but then you meet in the end, uh, in the middle somewhere. So I, I think I have always struggled with text, to be honest. Like, I, as much as I love uh, how often many artists can use that, for example, Sophie Kell, you know, I absolutely love her work, or Duan Michael, someone like that. Um, I have always find it very difficult uh, with words, and I think in Rashmi, I uh, I made also two different variations of the film. One was even without the words, uh, and I think that for this film I was comfortable, as you can also see the other film or oh, Great Life. There was more text, so I'm trying to uh, play with the how an image can change its association when there's a text, uh, in a not in an expected way. I guess. And I think I, I, I still want to do it, but I always find it quite challenging. Yeah. yeah, because you sort of inevitably multiply the options, right? Is also what, what Anna Mari was saying. You're giving hints, you're giving new life, new narratives, but at the same time, you're also destroying an expected narrative or destroying a sort of exactly. um, expectation on it. Is that, does that make sense for you? Yeah, and I think also the, you know, it's always the fear is to not to impose, you know, not to impose too much or not at all, to be honest. Uh, uh, I mean, as I don't mind saying or writing anything as long it is not putting pressure on the viewer to think about only that. And that's why I think text is very challenging. I am very fascinated by this idea of, of um, destroying the expectations in a certain way, which is very liberating because it's also about creating that emptiness, that space for marvel when you don't expect things anymore, which is, it's all about dualities, right? It's all about those, those contrasts you were saying, because it's, this is also a place you get after being in a very dark position. You go through the darkness and then you get to this moment of emptiness in which you welcome whatever comes to you and that's when the magic happens that's when you start seeing new things or creating new narratives um, and I find it very fascinating how the two of you try to get to this very similar point but through completely different uh, trajectories and completely different strategies um, Anna Mari how it is with you to focus on on found materials and archival materials how do you choose the images is this a very instinctive approach you have or again you try to construct um, 
more of an intellectual background behind all the uh, quotes, for example, or a hint you're giving? Um, I would say that is very instinctive. Actually, when I go through the markets, I buy the, the images. Uh, it will be photos or negatives. And then I look at them when I'm in the studio and uh, I start imagining things. So it works like this. It's don't, I don't have a, a pre-established idea of what I will do with this because it, it's impossible, you know, when I'm on the market, I don't know what, what I will find. And this is the, the good thing for me. So it's, it's, um, it's the truth of the process, you know, uh, and it's the same. And I, I work with this and I want to, to, that the tech spectators or the ones that are visiting the shows feel the same. So I'm sharing these, uh, these, uh, state of, uh, imagination and also of doubt, uh, with, uh, all the, all the process. Yeah. And then, and then you also intervene on the images, um, using the same strategy. Is it, a, is it, um, uh, sort of a casual, uh, fluxus uh, modus that you have? I'm really curious about what happens in the studio. So uh, the first time that I, I was working with the, these uh, old photos that I found in these albums, I was um, trying to, to give back to these images the same that I felt when I found them. So I found I felt that they were uh, they had a lot of loss inside them. But also they have something that uh, for me it was uh, I was not expecting because they were memories that were taken from from other people. So I w I, I thought that they were full of uh, these uh, force uh, of uh, these potency. I don't know how to explain. And I wanted to give back to these images these. So I start uh, working with them and start scratching the images and I started to found that they had this pigment and color that that was left on the paper and uh, a lot of little marks that uh, could uh, create another image. So this was the first, it was very intuitive and it was the first moment when I start uh, working directly on the surface of these photos and after the negatives. And, uh, for example, I have a series, uh, very briefly of negatives that I found in Johannesburg. And they were, uh, all about, uh, the, the extraction of gold because they were, uh, photos from fields that were prepared for the extraction of gold there. And for me, it made sense to erase all, all the fields because now you go to that places and you don't have any uh, presence of history there, uh, only grass. So for me, it made sense to erase all the, the fields of the, the area of the field. And then as you see, uh, in the end, you see a black and white image with a lot of traces but you don't uh, understand what was there. But for me, it was very instinctive to do this, you know, so. Yeah. And I, I wonder if you really, how, how is it, for example, would it be important for you when exhibiting this material to have the viewer know what is it that you raised or do you want the experience to be completely... Um, free from any factual or indexical knowledge about the image? 
I wanted to be completely free. Yeah, actually. And uh, some people ask me if uh, I uh, I save an image, a digital image from this uh, before I raise them. But no, I don't do that. It's for me. It doesn't make sense. So it's the, the final gesture of this eraser that makes sense for me. And uh, what I want is that uh, people experience the images uh, much free as they 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 can. Yeah, yeah. Sarker, is this the prayer that we are saying yeah. we're hearing? <laughs> It yes. Is. Oh yes, yes. I think it's a, it's a fantastic intervention it's in this a, case, it's right? A moment. It's a moment. Yeah. I have actually closed down all the doors, so you hear it. You are hearing it the quietest possible way. It's usually louder. Wow. If I would. It's very yeah. powerful. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. Makes me makes me also think about because. Um, you mentioned uh, Anna Mari, you mentioned the idea of loss, you mentioned the idea of memories, which connect us a little bit about what we were saying at the beginning of grief and the infinite and small. And, and this is also very uh, present in your work, Sarker, as well, even though filtered by a screen, in your case, you don't intervene materially in the images, you don't intervene in, in what is on the surface, but that, but you create distance somehow. Um, would, you, would you like to tell us a bit, a little bit something about this? Because I find it a very important aspect of your work, this idea that photography and the creation and the association of images can also be a very powerful um, method or approach or experience to deal with trauma or to just face it, maybe not resolve it, but just address it? I, you know, I think these ideas are obviously, in a way, always there some, in some form, these questions, these doubts, these, you know, existential concerns. And I think the Rashmi was a work which I kind of, first time in a way, were addressing that, uh, or actually acknowledging that, you know. Uh, often we do, that through other works, other stories. For example, one of my very earlier work was about my grandparents, and uh, that has in their last days, right? So it, that obviously deals with death. That obviously deals with uh, you know what they think of afterlife, and you know that wait that point of your life when you actually have nothing more to do or achieve, but you know that that's the only thing that is there. And I had spend time with them and I have observed that. So in a way that has an impact and you know, that has a strong effect on me, obviously. Uh, but that was another different story. That was a story of not me, but someone else. Uh, I think in many works, through many works that was there, but in Rashmi, it was not about anything else or anyone else. It was a very personal uh, vision and through many things came up that I had to, and many of us go through in different periods of life, loss and grieving, uh, uh, which is a different form of love, basically. Like, I, I, I don't know where I read that, that other day I saw it somewhere. Like, what is uh, grief, uh, if not love preserving, you know, persevering, sorry. Uh, and uh, which that's is a true. beautiful way to put it yeah. in this. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and I think that's something, you know, we, we all have our different ways to kind of uh, you know, process that or, uh, you know, 
evolve with that. And I think, you know, for me, image making is a very important part, you know, like seeing, the act of seeing uh, in a continuous way in my everyday practice, either I'm working or not working, and that seeing and how that can translate into an image that I create uh, is a crucial practice. Uh, I mean, part of my practice. And I think that comes in Rashmi. You know, there is an obsessive nature of making photographs every day, all throughout, uh, you know, years and years. But then again, you, it's the editing when that you, you can actually articulate. Otherwise, it's very difficult to articulate such things. But then you have a huge number of images, which becomes basically raw materials. And then you put all these raw materials in an editing table or either on a screen and then you edit the film and and then you of course have the sound which helps you to kind of uh, build certain logic and narrative and all that comes together eventually i think it also gives me the idea or connects me with this idea of uh, a fundamental aspect of of the grieving process whatever you're grieving for if it's a person or a situation or yourself and that is the acceptance of a flux, it comes in waves. It's not a regular uh, process. It's not something you can predict. You can have long periods of not noticing it and then you can have very big, big waves. And th there's this title of a book, uh, which I loved a lot, that is uh, Grief is that thing with feathers, which is a very abstract, but it's, it, 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 it's, a, it's a British uh, writer that there is also a theater piece about it. But this, this idea of grief, that it's that thing with feather, right? Like a, like a rush of, of, of wings that comes and wakes you up and, and puts in there. And then uh, in Rashmi, you have a completely, it's a completely different work when seen in B-dimensional, as we did, for example, in the magazine, when you have a sequence that set and then it's a, it's, it's a very, very different experience to have it in the video, because then you have all those aspects of projections that you both um, were mentioning. You have the sound, you have the recurrence of images, you have the breaks between the images. And that really gives you that feeling of expectancy, but also destroying that expectancy of, of, of not knowing really what's coming, but understanding that you are within, within a flux, within a process. It, that, that, it, this is something that made me also think about um, Anamari, your work. I was reading um, all the texts that have been written about your work, and there's this uh, very strong accent in, in the concept of the pharmacon, which is also something that we mentioned before, the medication, which at the end of the day is a poison, but it's also a salvation. And it's that thing that brings you through the process. Does it make sense? Makes all sense. Yeah, it's like it's both, you know, it's like in like that you have the poison, but also you have the salvation and also you have the between between them. And uh, there's a way to create a difference and also to don't have expectations, you know, because you don't know what really what what will happen. So you are between these two possibilities and you have a lot between them. But uh, it's very good to have them because you can imagine a lot of things in the between. Well, they allow you to make space for Marvel. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> 
me and the others that see the images. <laughs> so it's very good. <laughs> well, I think that that would be a lovely way to 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 end our conversation. You've been extremely generous and I have loved each and every minute of it. Um, I think that we went very much metaphysical, but your work really allows for that. So for once we can do it, <laughs> you know, when it comes to allowing Marvel, we also should allow this, this purely um, a beautiful and free uh, trips of our mind. Once again, Anna Mary, your work will be will be on show in uh, in Paris Photo in the Curiosa uh, section, and and I really hope I'll be able to travel to Paris to come and see it. Oh, I really hope to see you there, and Sarka, you too. <laughs> Let's. <laughs> it will be good to see you both. Yeah, Sarker, we were chatting before and, and you were mentioning that you don't think you'll be coming to Europe anytime soon. Uh, for now, we all hope that maybe next year we're okay. going to have more more chances uh, yes, to meet in real life. Mm -hmm. But um, your work can be experienced digitally. <laughs> you know, we always yes. come back to that. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's true. The, it's an advantage. Yeah, right. In, in the talent digital exhibition, and I think it's it's a very very um, fascinating way to experience it because it's in a way it's what it's meant to be. I wish I could travel to Singapore to see it in a movie festival because I, <laughs> if I could be there, I, I probably would not look at your work, but I will just look at the audience <laughs> and see how they react. Right. <laughs> No, I, I definitely. I mean, I think even for the film exposition, we did try to do something interesting. We didn't follow any sequence of the video. The images are coming in random order, so there's literally no control over any 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 thread, and it's basically coming based on some algorithm, uh, which is also another way of trying to because it also appears you know quickly and disappears almost like our attention span you know, on in virtual spaces. So I think that's a very different thing in, in itself, uh, what we have on the foam expo exposition. Yeah, and, and I love it. I personally love love the, ra the, the randomness, which is, of course, also not random because it's still mm -hmm. an algorithm. So right. there is an order <laughs> yeah. behind it, but it's, it's a fantastic way to experience it. Yes, and congrats. Congrats for, for the show. <laughs> Thank there. you, Anna Marie. Yeah. You too. For the project, because I did it. Yeah. <laughs> no, and from the, the project home, because I didn't know it, and uh, I'm amazed with uh, with uh, all the projects. Yeah. Now I will follow. And I'm very happy to this, uh, to discover that this, both of you and the project and your show there. Yeah. Thank you. Really happy. Well, thanks both for your precious time. I wish you all the best. I really hope to, to be seeing you very soon. Thanks everyone for listening to us. Thank you very much, Alisa. Thank you everyone. Thank you all for listening. Not to miss the works of Sarker Protik and Anna-Marie Bilbao, please visit the Fom Talent Digital Exhibition at talent.fom.org and the Curiosa Sector at Parifoto. This episode of Fom Talks was brought to you as a part of the Fom Talent Programme. The Fome Talent Programme and the annual talent issue of Fome Magazine are supported by the Deutsche Borse Photography Foundation and the Van der Neende Foundation. As always, please keep an eye on our social media for the next episode. Viva! <laughs>